Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. We are back for episode number 139 of the Beers and Bible podcast, and I'm Anthony. And I'm Michael, and we're happy to be with you for another week. Yes. I beat you to it. Ha! Oh, man. Only been doing this for three years. We're figuring it out. We never know who's going to actually do that next line. Yeah, we're not that uh, structured. So uh, happy to be with you for another week. A uh, little different for us uh, this week because we're recording on a Saturday afternoon. Um, just scheduling things didn't work out for us to get uh get our normal Thursday night recording in, but we're Life happy to be happened. with you. Life <laughs> happens. That is true. Um, we're happy to be with you for another week, and we're going to get into our beer review and our Bible discussion here shortly. But before we get there, Anthony, what is going on? Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, when this comes out, I will be finishing up my vacation, but right now I am ready to hop in my truck and drive to vacation because that's what's up for me this week is is taking some time off <laughs> that is amazing i'm ready for it we're uh we're heading down to a secret location um in mid florida which i'm sure i'll probably post at least one or two pics from like i do most times <laughs> that is also known as the house of the mouse um, yeah yeah, you, you like to you like to to rub that in a little bit. I do every now and then. Our family loves Disney, so we uh we take an opportunity when we can and we go. Um, but yeah, we're uh we're ready for that this weekend. It's been a couple of busy weeks and uh, trying to get caught up on everything and make sure everything's mm-hmm. good to go and so that I can take off a week of vacation. But um, other than that, not a whole lot going on. What's happening with you and the fam? Oh, not much up here at all. Just uh, continuing to live life, man. Just uh, staying busy, getting settled settled into my new job and mm-hmm. uh, learning all sorts of fun things, which are just fun things to learn. <laughs> learning things is fun for the record. I like learning things. It is. Uh, a lot of it is just things you would never expect to have to do for a the a home security company. But mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, but here we are. So uh let's get into our beer review for the week. Um, do you want to talk about yours first? I will. Um, so I have gone uh back to one I did a while back. I did the golden ale, it was called Houdat. Uh same brewery here. This is the Urban South Brewery from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and if I remember right, I actually really enjoyed the Houdat. So that kind of gave me high hopes for this one. But that's not the reason I bought this one. I gave it four Luthers. So I bought this one simply because of one fact. Number one, the can looked really cool. And number two, it had flamingos on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured that was a good enough reason to try this beer um, because flamingos are awesome. And the name of it is Paradise Park. And it is an American lager. And it comes in at four and a half ABV. 
Um, and on the Urban South Brewery website, this is how they describe it. They said brewed with Pilsner malt and Huel melon hops. This easy drinking lager is the perfect beer for the Louisiana climate. Now, I'm close to Louisiana, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, but it says named after a trailer park in our founder's hometown. So apparently there's a trailer park called Paradise Park. Um, this lager doesn't take itself too seriously. We work tirelessly to make this an affordable local lager for everyday beer drinker. And I will say this. This is probably one of the cheaper beers that we've that that uh that we i've bought at least here mm-hmm. you know most of them are 10 to 12 dollars this one was little it was like eight bucks for a six pack. Oh, so wow. i'm like i'm like heck yeah <laughs> yeah get on that yes right if it's if this is good it might you know i might be going back and get some more because it's not 12 dollars for six of them right so but that's what i've got what do you have for this afternoon so I have from the Oxbow Brewing Company based in Newcastle, Maine. I have the Farmhouse Pale Ale. It is a, an American hot blonde farmhouse ale. Um, comes in at 6% ABV and oxbowbeer.com. The only thing they have on here to describe it is that it is a farmhouse ale brewed exclusively with American grown hops. Well, there you go. So keeps it simple. Um, the can is kind of cool looking. I didn't show you the can, but there's there you go. Oh, that is cool. So we'll uh, we'll get pictures and all that for the socials. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've got. It's super simple. Um, I'm expecting just a pretty standard run of the mill beer here. So um, we're going to call this standard to- beer Saturday is what we're going to call it. Yeah, <laughs> but there's only one way to find out what we have, and that's to crack these bad boys open. And pour them up. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. I was assuming you had a glass ready when I said that. I did, yes. So, um, oxbowbeer.com actually calls this one a Saison. And if memory serves, we still don't know what that means. We don't. And if memory serves, we don't like those either. We've only done like two of them, and neither of them did we like. I think it wasn't it like a champagne. Like, yes, it was like a like a fancy something. It was called Blackbird. I still remember it. It was gross. Uh, yeah. So this is a very very light. Also, look at all that foam. Yes, on there. I didn't do a good job of pouring this one. This guy is very clear, very light. Um, looks like I mean this will be a. It's not a dark lager, so it'll be. Um, looks like it'd just be a traditional, traditional lager, if you will. Yeah. But it smells really good. I will. I mean, it's, it smells like a typical beer, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not expecting some wild outlandish flavor, but you know, I bought it because it was just an American lager. It's I'm, I'm yeah. hoping for a regular beer in this one. Right. Yeah. Mine, mine has a slight, slight fruity, but mostly hoppy smell. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really all I can tell from it. So I guess we should uh, we should taste them. Let's drink them. And see what we got. Bottoms up. Hmm. Okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> we should look up what a Saison actually is so that we know. Let's see here. Go to the Googles. Where are you at, Googles? Somebody in my neighborhood just opened up their lawnmower for the first time, I think. 
because they are going to town. Going to town. So a Saison beer. Here we go. According to the Google, Saison is a pale ale that is highly carbonated, fruity, spicy, and often bottle conditioned. It was historically brewed with low alcohol levels, but modern productions of these styles have moderate to high levels of alcohol. Along with several other varieties, it is generally classified as a farmhouse ale. Hence the name of your beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. French per season. Saison is the traditional pastoral ale that originated the farmhouse of Wallonia, the French-speaking French speaking region of Belgium. There you go. So it's just a different type of ale, it looks like. But it ends up being fruity and spicy. Whatever that means. Okay, so when I initially poured it up, it was like pretty like clearish, but then, mm -hmm. then I emptied the can into it and it's much more cloudy now. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Which I don't hate. Mine has gone clearer as the time has passed. Um, I can go ahead and go. You go. Um, my mine is okay. It's a pretty pretty standard, uh, just beer tasting beer. There's nothing really to me that makes this really shine. Um, the flavor's pretty decent. Um, uh, it's it's I think it what did I say six percent six percent ABV is what the website says. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not coming across as quite that strong. Um, but maybe it's just sneaky. It's a sneaky six. Yeah. Um, kind of crisp, a little tart from the, um, like there's, there, there's definitely some citrusy and I just don't know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, I would probably, I'm probably, ugh. I think I'm going to land at three Luthers on this one. Okay. Um, just kind of a, in that good, not great range um mm -hmm. and this is uh these are some from my uh beer subscription thing that i had for a while so um you know i've had them a little longer than i probably should have before <laughs> i opened them but um yeah i think i'm gonna land at three three out of five here cool well the uh american lager paradise park named after a trailer park um, it's probably going to get exactly what you would expect it to get. Um, it's good. It's okay. It's slightly bland on the flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very crisp though. Like it's, I could see this being a beer that you would drink after cutting the grass. Like, and you're just like tired and dehydrated. Yeah. yeah. Like this would be a good beer for that. And the fact that it's not $10, you know, is, is a plus, but, um, it's just good. I could drink it if it were there. I wouldn't have any problems with it. Um, and, you know, it's, I think the weakness of the flavor is kind of the, the biggest thing for me. So I'm going to give this three and I'm going to say that I'm being nice giving it three. Um, okay. It's, it's good, but it's just kind of, this is going to be terrible in urban South. Please forgive me, but it's basically like Bud Light. So, I mean, now, if you say, if you give me this and you give me a Bud Light, I'm going to pick this every time because it is, it is better than Bud Light, but Bud Light is, I mean, it's like water. Right. Um. So, you know, it just, it, 
it's got more flavor than a Bud Light. I, maybe okay, so maybe the equivalent is it's closer to like a Miller Light. Maybe that's a better comparison because I'll drink Miller Light. You know, if it if it's there, I'll drink it. But it's not something I'm gonna go to the store and be like, I want one of those. You know, right? Um, but if I show up at your house and this is all you have in the refrigerator, yeah, yeah, man, I'll have a beer. That's fine. Yeah. So three that's Luthers fair. for me, and 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 I'm I'm being a, a tad bit generous today. Mostly because I'm getting ready to go on vacation. So, well, do with that what you will. <laughs> it's definitely not the strawberry Starburst from last week. I will say that it is not yeah. that. <laughs> I am incredibly jealous that you had that and that it was delicious. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I did find an energy drink that was star- cherry Starburst. Um, yeah. How was that? This is spot on. It was a spot-on cherry starburst. So here's what you do. You take that energy drink and you mix it with, like, vodka. Boom. Mm, now you're talking. <laughs> I mean, no, never. I would never do that right now. Um, I'm not going downstairs to do that right this moment. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So, uh, Urban South Brewing's um, Paradise Park Lager getting three Luthers from Anthony. And the... Oxbow Brewing's Farmhouse Pale Ale, also getting three Luthers from myself. And that's our beer review for the week. And now we're going to move into our discussion. Um, We're going to continue walking through the Bible book by book. And we're going to tackle the two books of Kings today. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of content to cover, but stick with us. We think it'll it'll be worth it. We promise. Yes, it will. So... So stick around, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. We are going to dive into the books of First and Second Kings, um, and we're just gonna we're gonna jump right in. We're not gonna spend a lot of time uh, setting it up because we we don't need to. Um, so here's some things to remember um, as you read through the Book of Kings, First and Second Kings. Um, just some information, trying to get your to get yourself set up. Um, here we go. I totally just had a brain fart. <laughs> Why? When you wrote the notes? No, no, no. When you said there's not a whole lot to set up. The, uh-huh. the, so if you're on TikTok, you uh-huh. heard, you clearly have heard the It's Corn song. <laughs> and so when you said there's not a lot to set up, I went, it's Kings. <laughs> I could tell you all about it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I did not. I did not get there at all. I'm not on TikTok, so. So somebody who has watched that video, do yourself a favor and go search the Corn Kid song. Just it's it's on Facebook, it's on everywhere. It's not just on TikTok. That's where it started, but it's a it's an auto-tune song. So okay. you're welcome. <laughs> okay. Well, when you get done doing that, come back and we'll get through our book, our study in Kings. Yeah, our okay. Study on the book of Kings. There we go. Here we go for real. Um 
so the, the books of first and second Kings, they follow from the death of David mm-hmm. and trace the decline of the monarchy and the eventual expulsion of Israel from the promised land. Um, and we see here, we've talked about it for several weeks now, the Deuteronomic cycle. Um, it's getting into all aspects of life in the nation of Israel. It's, yeah. you know, the um, fall, repent, follow, fall, yeah. repent. Like the whole the whole thing is happening over and over and over again. And that's going to continue to be a cycle basically until Jesus comes back. Yeah. Every time they fall, they fall a little bit further, it seems like. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so the time frame of these two books cover, covers almost 400 years, like we said. Uh, from the death of David, which is in about 970 BC, mm-hmm. um, to uh, the Bab- the exile by Babylon, mm-hmm. which occurs in 587 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, these two books are a historical account of the monarchy that Israel asked God for. God did not intend for them to have the monarchy of with a king's individual leader like um, the nations around Israel, because Israel is supposed to be different. Um, yeah. But God gave Israel exactly what they asked for and we see the sometimes good but mostly bad that comes from that yeah um the two books of kings um reveal the true idolatry of israel's heart because they wanted something other than god which reveals their covenant disloyalty Mm -hmm. um they are um basically saying they know better than god does and uh want uh, something that God did not intend for them and had no plans for them to have. And they still wanted that instead mm. thinking they knew better than God. Um, and how true is that of all of us that we think we know better and we'll pursue those other things without God's um, without, without getting in alignment with God, I guess mm. is what I basically how I want to put that. Um, this idolatry led to civil wars and the eventual schism of the North and South in Israel. I just realized how quickly this got very serious. Like we were just joking like <laughs> three minutes ago about <laughs> corn kid or whatever it is. And now we're like, bam, here we go. That's what we do on the Bears of Bible podcast. Yeah. We get serious real fast. <laughs> it did not take long. Um, so the civil wars and the eventual, uh, schism, uh, of the North and South, mm-hmm. um, Judah subjugated Israel because they were more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we finally see the introduction of the prophets and their role in God's judgments and blessings on Israel. Yep. Yep. So if you take all of that kind of that mindset right there and, and roll it into how we can read the book of Kings, um, you know, the, 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 the idea that Israel will, wasn't intended to have a king is because God is supposed to be the one, like they're supposed to be the example yeah. of, of what a nation under God looks like. God okay. is supposed, God is supposed to be their king. Yes. And so you don't have to have a physical king, you know, right? Because you have a, you know, you have God in heaven who is your, who is your one true king and, and that yeah. covenant loyalty should be there. And if you follow the rules laid out in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, um, then then you end up living a lifestyle that is in line with what God has prescribed for blessings and curses. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so Israel wants this king, and and it, you know, it's it's hard to say, 
it's hard to say that God intended them for to not have a king. Yes, the plan, you know, you could say the plan was for for them to not have a king, but this also sets up another aspect of the coming Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, either way, God's plans were not thwarted. God, God wasn't like, oh my gosh, you know, these people want a king. What in the world am I going to do? I don't know what to do. You know, it, it, it's 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 a very fine line between the people getting what they asked for, which was a king, and God knowing that they were going to ask for a king and basically having a plan all along to bring his Messiah mm-hmm. through through the idea and the concept of a king, which was bad to begin with, you know. Right. Um, and and what it what it shows us to me is that that God works even in our sin, even when we do wrong, God continues to work and to will for those who are called according to his purposes. Right. Um, just like God, Paul tells us in Romans eight. Yeah. God's not surprised by any of that. He, yeah. He's, he's known <laughs> like we've talked about, I don't know how many times here God has known or God knows every single decision you will ever make. Yeah. He also knows every single decision you could ever make and don't make and mm-hmm. how like, like when you're faced with two decisions, he knows which one you're going to take, which one you're not going to take. Yeah. He knows what would happen if you decide either way. Yeah. So when we decide to sin or to not sin, God knows what the outcome further down the road of each of those choices would be. And he has the infinite knowledge for every person who has been or ever will be or currently is mm-hmm. for all of their decisions for all of time. And God's not like you said. God, God wasn't surprised by no. Israel wanting a king and or demanding a king. Yeah, he God wasn't surprised by the people um, shouting to crucify Jesus. <laughs> that was that was part of the plan, yeah. right? So, but God has known everything that would lead to those things. Mm-hmm. He knows the course and the he knows how it all is going to work out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. He, his plan is not thwarted. Yeah. It's just a different way to carry out his plan. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I say that to to set up this this point because I've seen it happen specifically more times recently than than less times. But a lot of times people will point to something happening in the Old Testament where there was like there was a bad king. And we talked a little bit about this last week in Samuel you know, there was a bad king or, or a king did something evil and God still used it for his purposes. And, you know, I have seen parallels of politicians made to bad kings and saying that God uses bad kings. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't really, that, that doesn't really justify the point that we should have that bad king, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we should stand for what's right. It, it, you know, the reason Israel got that bad king is because they were being dumb. And so, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> and so, you know, you, you end up with, I said, so if, if you're going to make that point, then, then let me just be clear. You're calling us dumb. <laughs> right. So, you know, but take that, take that idea and that concept and roll it into, to what we're going to be talking about as we talk about advice for, for reading Kings. And, and the very first thing that I'm going to, that I'm going to point out is related to that. This is a historical account that has very clear ties to the Deuteronomic cycle. Okay. It is a history. 
The Samuel, the books of Samuel were a history. The books of Kings are a history. The books of Chronicles are a history. It is not necessarily a prescription as much as it is a description of mm-hmm. what happened. And so when you say Israel had a bad king, historically, yes, they had a bad king. Why did they have a bad king? Because they were living in covenant disloyalty from God. You know, mm-hmm. why did they have a good king? Because they were living in covenant loyalty with God. Yeah. And so, you know, the the prescription is not, oh, we need we need to be okay with a bad king. The prescription is live in covenant loyalty with God. And you won't have to deal with bad kings, right? you know, or if you do deal with bad kings, you still live in covenant loyalty with God because that's what God's called us to do. Yep. And so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, they centralize the, the, the narrations and the historical accounts in, in Kings centralize the story of the King around the loyalty of that King to God. Um, and, and whether he lived in, yeah. in covenant loyalty with God or not. And and so yeah. each king is kind of portrayed, and I really appreciated this formula, so I just kind of, I want to walk through it real quick. Um, it says, you know, a lot, when the stories are told, this is kind of roughly the formula that was followed. It says, uh, you, you set up when he came into reign, and, you know, how he was related to, or, it, you know, what led to him becoming king, succeeding the previous king, his relation yeah. to the previous king. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about how long he reigned. Um, for Judean kings, uh, they specifically related to his mother. Um, I'm not going to get into all that. There's a, there's a huge rabbit trail. You can dive into that, but I just want to make it a point that the Judean kings were specifically related, um, and how they related to their mother is included in the history. Um, another thing they point out is the religious policy of the king. Um, they kind of separate this with, with a specific formula here for Israel's kings, um, you hear this line over and over that uh, either he did or did not follow in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And that's because Jeroboam was like the first evil king and he committed certain sins. He tore down or he built up the Asherah poles and, and Baal worship and all that kind of stuff. And so they relate that to sin and then relate every king after that to that that sin or not that sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then uh, that was Israel's king and then the, the Judean king's um, or whether or not he removed the high places, which are again related to to Baal worship, um, and and whether or not they allowed basically syncretism, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, and then they gave some general information about the king. Then they talk about his death, and then you start the cycle over. They you know talk about who succeeded him. Of course, that leads to the next king and how he was related to the previous king. So you go you go back to the beginning of that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they'll they'll focus on the amount of time. A lot of historians will focus on the amount of time a king reigned for. And I think it's important that, you know, there are times where a king who ruled for a very short amount of time was given a lot of text. And then vice versa. There was a king who ruled for a long time that was not given a lot of text. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to point back to what we're what we're what the king the author of kings is doing is not necessarily painting a chronological event after event history he's painting a story of the nation of israel and they're either falling away from covenant loyalty with god or returning back to covenant loyalty with god that's the mm-hmm. main point of the story and so it's not again it's not so much about the chronology of events but using certain events to paint that picture and how that picture relates to this, the story of Israel as a whole. Um, and so 
uh, I, one other thing, just kind of one other thing is we talked about this in the, in the history of Samuel. It narrated the rise of what's now going to become the kings. You know, we talked specifically about David and Solomon, and and kings really picks up with um, Solomon finishing the temple. Um, we're going to get to that in the in the as we walk through the kings, but but at the same time, you're also having a rise of superpowers during mm-hmm. the the books of kings. Yeah. Um, and so, whereas that wasn't something in the books of Samuel, and even in the books of like. Uh, Joshua and Judges, when they're conquering the land, you know, we talked about it being there not being a real superpower, but it being just kind of city states and they had just come out of Egypt. Um, and so as time has gone on, and I mean, remember, we're talking about 400 years just in these two books alone, you have that rise of, of superpowers. Israel, you know, most of their army was destroyed in the Red Sea. I don't know if you remember what happened in back in Exodus, but they took a pretty big hit. So they were not really a superpower for, for a time, but now four or five generations later, they're back to superpower status. You've got the rise of Babylon. You've got the rise of Assyria. You've got several other superpowers that are coming to take, take over Mm -hmm. um, parts of the land here. And as that happens, Israel is fighting with itself because they don't know which King they should be following north or south or which is the good one which is the bad one and they end up in civil war well that opens the door for one of these superpowers to to come right in and swoop them away which is why they end up in exile in babylon um but there that leads to or or that kind of sets up a, another thing that we should think about as we talk about um reading these books and that's for emphasis of the divided kingdom um as we roll into the divided kingdom you're going to see because there's no king, they have to have something that replaces the word of God coming to the people. So you end up seeing a role, the role of prophet becoming a dominant role uh, as we as they roll into uh, exile. Mm-hmm. Um, civil war tore them apart. Um, that leads to the two factions making foreign alliances, which they should not have done. Right. You know, they should not have done that. They instead of instead of repairing the relationships internally, they turn to outward forces to try to prove their point. Um, there is a huge subplot right there that I'm not going to dive into, but but just just let the reader understand. Let the listener understand. Um, turning to foreign alliances. Um, the next one is, is God's commitment to Judah, and he does that for David's sake. Remember, we talked about the motif of the lesser. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there you're going to end up with almost wiping out the the Davidic line, but God preserves that remnant all the way through, um, like a scarlet string going through uh, time and history that leads to uh, Jesus, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Messiah. Um, and then you have the North, who is the larger of the two. Uh, they end up succumbing to. Governance by treachery and power and politics. And and again, I'll let you see the subplot in that one. Um, yeah. Because of their power, they think they can do whatever they want to do. Um, and they end up being ruled by a power of politics as opposed to the law of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that hopefully gets you an idea of what's going on in Kings, how we're going to be reading this book. And, and as we get ready to through the passage, this is where we're going. Yeah. I just want to point out something as you were talking through that. I mm-hmm. am yeah, this is how many however many episodes we've done of this walkthrough now. 
and it's really cool to me to see how everything is kind of building on itself and mm -hmm. themes are coming back we've talked about the now we've talked about the motif of the lesser a couple of different times we've talked about the deuteronomic cycle several times and we're yeah. going to continue to talk about that because israel can't learn from their <laughs> mistakes um but it's really cool to see how you know and you know it may be corny or, or cheesy to say this but i'm going to say it anyway but like you have 66 books written by many different authors yeah written over the course of a couple of thousand years mm -hmm. and we have recurring theme after recurring theme after recurring theme almost like they were inspired by the same thing what you get out of know. here with your second timothy i know anyway so <laughs> anyway i just think it's cool to see how you know we we, we keep seeing these things pop up yeah. that we've already talked about and it's everything's just kind of building on itself and yeah is in anticipation of jesus coming because that's right old testament points forward to jesus new testament looks back at jesus so Boom. anyway anyway so <laughs> let's walk through let's walk through these two books real quick let's do it we're gonna fly through this because there's not really much to expound upon i don't think uh anthony may prove me wrong <laughs> Um, so the first couple of books of first Kings, um, we see that Solomon becomes the king. He's not first in line, but he becomes king because of an oath made with Bathsheba. Um, and in those first couple of chapters, he quickly does away with his enemies. I'm going to try not to butcher these. Um, uh, Adonijah, Adonijah, Adonijah. That's not what it looks like to me. <laughs> Joab and Abathar. Yep. Um, or you, some people say it Abiathar. Abiathar. Well, there's no, there's no A. I, uh, I know. Okay. Just, I know. Well, okay. Um, and then the next eight chapters or nine, ch eight, eight chapters of mm -hmm. uh, First Kings uh, describe the reign of Solomon. Um, he brings two promises of God to completion, um, promise made to Abraham in Genesis 12 and the conclusion of the Exodus with the building of the temple. Mm -hmm. um, and despite highlighting Solomon's wisdom, he's not painted in a very positive light here. Um, you see all of this worldly success that he had, but chapter 11 tells of his idol worship, which ends up splitting the nation and brings God's wrath on the people. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next few chapters talk about the kingdom of Israel dividing. Um, the break of Israel happens um, in chapters 12 through 14. Um, we talked about the four traits uh, earlier uh, for, sorry, the up. emphasis of the divided the, the kingdom. Emphasis, the emphasis of the divided kingdom. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and then we see Jeroboam becoming the standard of comparison of the northern kings, where we talked about the sins of Jeroboam. Um, and then there's the different types of syncretism that mm -hmm. creep into the nation, um, trying to make God into your inter interpretation, mm -hmm. which is we would call eisegesis um, yes. in 2022. Syncretism is a very fun uh, topic to to study and to research because um, syncretism really takes a lot of different forms. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you think of something synchristically, you're talking about trying to meld and make two, three, or four different things into one thing. <clears throat> yeah. And so what the nation is doing is they're saying, oh, well, we can do this certain thing from this idea 
um, we can do this certain thing from this idea, and then we can keep these laws of God here, and we can kind of make them into our own type of thing. And God very specifically says in the first commandment, I am a jealous God. You will have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of these things that Israel was doing was taking the the concepts of others, other gods and trying to mold them and fashion them into their own version of what God's law had actually said. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, think about how we do that today. You know, this certain concept is good. This certain thing that we should do is good. This is what it means to be a Christian. You have to act this way or vote this way. We are basically taking the same thing that Israel's doing by applying worldly ideologies to our faith instead mm-hmm. of applying our faith to those worldly ideologies. Yeah. Um, and I don't care what kind of ideology it is. You know, you can go from CRT all the way down to Christian nationalism, um, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Both of them are equally wrong. Right. And, and, and I have, have no problem saying that. Yeah. Because in, in CRT, you're trying to apply your own thinking, your own understanding, which is a finite understanding to your faith which is supposed to be infinite. You know, faith comes from God. And so that's wrong. And then in the same vein, you're trying to apply the the ruling of a nation to your faith. And, and you're trying to say that the, you, the ruling of the nation is what dictates your faith. No, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Both of them are wrong. And they both need to be done away with like the heresies that they are. Yeah. Um, and yes, I said that right. The heresies that they are. Um, because... Anytime you attempt to bring an ideology and apply it to your faith, you are discounting the faith that you have. And just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where it said if if somebody basically the the show of faith was was is in scripture is oftentimes labeled. I don't want to say labeled, that's that's maybe not the right word, but you can tell a person's faith by them asking for a sign or them asking for something specifically. And it shows where their faith actually is. Because if, if you're not going to believe something until you see it, then you don't have a Hebrews 11 type of faith. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have to demand that something happen or, or this thing before you can say, I'm not going to follow that God until this happens. You don't have a faith that is unshakable and, and, you know, only in God, you have a faith that is based out of signs and wonders and works and things that you can do that you can dictate and you can control. Mm-hmm. And when you get that type of synchristic faith, you don't have the gospel. Yeah. So that told you I could take a tangent. <laughs> That's okay. We needed it. Um, because it's, I mean, we, I feel like we're all guilty of it. We, I, I know we try not to be, but we're all guilty of oh, trying yeah. of trying to fit what we want to be true or what we believe to be true mm-hmm. into scripture, into our faith, and try to make it to where basically we can convince ourselves that X, Y, and Z is true, and we come we 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 can come we can become blind to what the scripture actually says mm-hmm. and what it actually points out and what it says to be true or yes or what you know, thousands of years of scholars have said to be true. Like, so we, we have to be very careful and not get down that path to where we are basically, um, 
uh, what's the word? It's like a like we're basically ignoring what scripture says because we don't want to we don't want to face the reality of being wrong in our belief. Mm-hmm. And and that's where this you know syncretism and eisegesis are the are dangers to yeah. to the Christian in in general. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I think the word you're looking for is prideful. <laughs> yeah, that too. We we don't want to have our feelings hurt because Scripture tends to do that when yeah. you actually apply it to your life. <laughs> it can. Um, so let's continue walking. We're almost done. Uh, believe it or not, we're almost done. Um, <laughs> we are killing this right now. <laughs> we are. Um, so um, the rest of First Kings from uh, chapter 16 and then through the first 10 chapters of Second Kings uh, they're going to talk about the divided kingdom of the Omri dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this more spiraling, which results in more and more syncretism, which creates more spiraling and is all a cycle. Um, we get um, the marrying pagan ball worshipers. Um, we have Ahab uh, marrying Jezebel. Yep. Um, this almost destroyed, you know, Anthony already talked about this, almost destroys the Davidic line in Second Kings 11. Um, leads to Elijah's showdown with the prophets of Baal. In uh, chapter 17. Which is super fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, pooping. <laughs> that's yeah. one of my favorite lines. <laughs> in all of scripture, that's one of my favorite lines. Maybe he's on the pot. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then we get the uh, partial repentance from Jehu. Um, did I say that right? Jehu? Yep. Jehu. Jehu. Sweet. Good job. Get, yeah, it, it's sometimes I get one right. Um and then we see Judah in the background in much of this section in uh, mm-hmm. in these t- through through this section. Um, yeah, Israel is the much larger nation, um, encompassing like ten of the twelve tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because of that, their their idolatry is much more pronounced, um, and and so they end up kind of absorbing most of the story. Um, not to say that Judah was right during this time or Judah did everything perfectly during this time, but it's just to say that if you want an example, here it is. Here's a really big one. <laughs> right. Kind of kind of ends up being the theme of of those that section all the way through into Second Kings. So yeah. Um, and then the next few chapters we get we continue the divided kingdom, uh Jehu uh falls uh from Jehu to the fall of Samaria. Um, attention turned back to Judah during the, these chapters here. Um, and we get this mixed succession of kings who were good and kings who were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you've read through uh, the book of Second Kings, you'll see that um, throughout there. And then the final section here is uh, Judah's final years before the Babylonian exile. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about Israel's narrative focusing on the evil of the kings. Judah's story focuses on the good kings. Mm-hmm. Um, the covenant loyalty of the kings is what attributed to the exile not happening until Babylon. Um, and uh, even though we see that the even though the book ends with Judah in exile, there's this ray of hope with oh geez, uh, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim <laughs> being the lamp of David. I I may have been thinking about saying that uh, Jehoiakim being the lamp of David and God's promise continuing to a messiah mm-hmm. um which it's crazy to think that the the davidic line almost gets completely wiped out which would have prevented the line of jesus but god mm-hmm. has a plan for that anyway so yep there we go
and there's our there it is that's kings in a nutshell um this this book very fast nutshell very fast these two books uh and and i guess i mean the reason that we can we can roll through this one a little bit quicker is because the vast majority of it is narrative um there's not as much like stopping and and kind of making points through here as much as it is just telling the story of the kings because i mean honestly the story of the kings really tells itself um and there's there's not a ton to elaborate on yeah there's really not but um the thing that kings does do is it paints a picture of number one just how bad it can get for god's people when they don't live in covenant loyalty um Mm -hmm. you know Kings is going to parallel to some of our prophets because as the Kings uh, fall out and then they move into exile, the prophets are going to begin to rise. Mm -hmm. And while they're living in exile, obviously the prophets are going to take the lead on a lot of stuff. So that's where you end up with Isaiah and Jeremiah, but you have some overlap with these guys, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and the book of Kings. And when we get to those, Mm -hmm. um, We'll we'll try to make those connections back. Um, make sure make sure we make as many. There's a lot of them, but we can try to make as many connections back as we can. Just so, again, you see how all of these these scriptures are tied together. Yeah. Um. Because everything, just like you said, is building, uh, on on previous stuff. Everything is building on previous stories, and and the whole goal is to tell that story of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Yeah. And so, as Israel spirals out of control, well, there has to be a calling back to covenant loyalty with God. And that's where the prophets are going to come in. And the goal is to point everybody back to the person and work of Jesus Christ that is going to be coming uh, down the line out of exile. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but in spite of the prophets and them coming into covenant loyalty, uh, the other thing that we see is, is that even though they're in exile, there is still that promise to return and that, and that's what, mm-hmm. you know, what I was just talking about with the prophets, there's still that promise that there's going to come a day. There's going to be a, a one who will come, who will take uh, and be the atonement for, for the sins of the people, you yeah. know, and, and not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile as well. Yeah. Um. And, and that uh, essentially points to, to Christ and, and his atoning work, his substitutionary atoning work on the cross. So, mm-hmm. There is hope in Kings. There is um, lessons to be learned in Kings. And so Kings is a, even though it's not a exciting reading a lot of times, you know, a lot of these Old Testament books get skipped because they're not exciting. Um, yeah. There's still a lot that, that we as Christians can learn, we can take, and we can apply to our lives on a daily basis. So again, you know, we're going to encourage you every week to to read along, follow along with us. If you haven't already, take this next week, listen uh, listen through this and then and then go read through the books of first and second kings because uh, we pray that God would continue to just open open your eyes and see how the scriptures illuminate the word and the and the revelation of God to his people and and how they um, bring us into a closer relationship with him and and mm. you know, even if you're not doing deep studies just reading scripture, is good for you. Reading scripture is is good for your life because it gives you something you can think on every day. Yeah. So, agreed. There you go. There's the book of First Kings and Second Kings and bad things happening in Israel and to be continued next week when we talk about the Chronicles. Dun dun dun. <laughs>
Did I set that up right? I think so. <laughs> we'll find out next week, I suppose. We'll find out next week. Uh, tune in next week to make sure. Yep. Let's um, do that. Sweet. Well, I'll tell you what. I will pray for us this afternoon. Perfect. As we move along, and then uh, and then we will head on let's, into let's some get vacation. Some well, vacation you, time. Woo-hoo. You will. Some of us <laughs> have to stay back and work. Sorry, you just got off vacation, so that's fair. You know. All right. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for life happening and and still being able to to come together and and talk about the Book of Kings, talk about your scriptures. And God, we pray that this conversation is illuminating, is enlightening, is productive uh, for those who listen. And I pray that you would bless each and every one of those who listen. God, I pray that you would bless us um, in everything that we do, God, that we can give you glory, we can give you honor, uh, and we can give you praise because you are worthy of all of those things. And so, God, we pray that as we continue to walk through books and we walk through your story, um, that number one, we can make the connection. We can see how you have woven your story throughout history. Uh, God, but number two, that we can look at Jesus as the ultimate revelation of you on the earth. And we can see how you have painted your story across time and history. And we can put our faith and trust in Jesus that we can be in Christ and we can be covered by his blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so be with us as we go through this week, uh, and this time and, and, uh, God, just give us good and productive weeks that we can glorify you in everything that we do. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to hit us up on social media, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast. And you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. If you have any beer suggestions you would like for us to review on the podcast, we would love to hear those. And if you have any questions about anything we've discussed um, or anything in general, you would like to, you would like for us to have a conversation with you about, we'd love to hear those on any and all of those platforms. We enjoy getting the messages from the people who do send messages. So yes, keep, we do. keep sending them. Because we Keep. like seeing we like seeing those. It's fun. It's fun. So until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>